0: Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon.
1: Thank God for a generator. Do you guys thank God for power every day? We do. (laughs) We do. Our power comes a little differently than here, for sure. Seth, you wouldn't have a job in Haiti. Sorry, bro. No power lines, generators. Um, my name is Mark Stockland, director of Haiti Bible Mission. Um, it's a blessing to be here. First time here at New Song in your church, and I love this facility. So praise God. Love this place. I've heard the stories of all the moves and different storefronts, so isn't this a blessing to worship here? So. Uh, thank you, Pastor Justin, for giving me the pulpit, I mean, just thanks for the opportunity to be here and uh, love on you, give you a breather, uh, as well as just hopefully you just bless uh, your people here. Uh, yeah, the, you guys are supposed to be down in November. Uh, we actually usually are back in the States, my family, my wife Lacey, my three kids, normally we're back. In the states, uh, September, October, usually go back the end of October. We're usually there October, November uh, through the holidays to finish the year. And we couldn't even go back because MAF had no flights. And even if they did have a flight, it didn't make sense for us to go because some of that unrest. uh, We had a lot of government officials fighting and all kinds of political stuff. There was no fuel. uh, So we need about a million gallons of fuel a day for the country of Haiti to survive. We were getting half that. And so there was a drastic shortage. We paid 22 US dollars for one gallon of gas that we found on the black market. We bought two gallons, uh, so (laughs) 44 bucks for two gallons of gas. So we weren't going anywhere doing anything as far as my Haitian team. Uh, But also with the gas prices being that way and not available, they were riding and blocking the roads. Uh, The teachers were on strike. All the schools shut down because the teachers at the schools hadn't been paid in over a year. So then all the schools were shut down. All the teachers and parents were rioting. So you had the the whole country in complete chaos. So that meant all the truck and fuel trucks weren't driving to the country where we're at. None of the food trucks were coming. They were getting hijacked, and they also couldn't because of fear of their lives and stuff. So people where we live out in the country were dependent on some supplies coming from the the big city, and that wasn't happening. So it didn't make sense being in the States at the time already for my wife and kids and my family to actually try to go back into that. Uh, I did try personally to go and it just didn't work. So we just said, okay, God, you've got a plan. Uh, We've been there raising up leaders and that's what we do. Uh, We empower indigenous leaders to transform communities. That's what Haiti Ball Mission does. So we've spent 11 years equipping and empowering leaders to run the mission without us. We never wanted it to be about me and my family. Uh, or the white people, we wanted to be about the Haitians helping Haitians. And so while our family was kind of stuck uh, in the States, it allowed our, our leaders to just lead and be God's hands and feet. And, uh, and it's really exciting. Our, we got slogans. We got bracelets that say, live the dif- living the difference. We got it on our T-shirts. We got it on our website. We get that from 1 John 3.18. Dear children, let us not love in words or tongue, but in actions and in truth. So we the reason we say that is because we say if we actually say we love Jesus, then we need to back it up with what we do, not what we say. And if we say we love the people of Haiti, then we need to back it up with what we do, not what we say. So that whole living the difference, we want to live it out, not just say it. So we literally just try to find I take a lot of pride in looking for B and C and D players, a lot of the young adult men and women that would be overlooked by society, the government, other people, and I love to chase after those people because I see leadership potential, and I say, man, if I can help train and educate and empower this person, I see these qualities, these leadership qualities that I think we can take them to the next level, and you know what, isn't that what Jesus did? If I look look at my Bible, I, I don't see where Jesus went and found the most educated, oh, look at that, he found the most educated, the most gifted, You know, graduated top of his class. As a matter of fact, it was opposite. And and I just feel like if we can model ourselves after Jesus, I think it's a good place to start. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I just kind of look to Jesus. So I love that. I'm a farm boy from Iowa. So I feel like I'm the last person that should be running a mission in Haiti. But God's used me. He's used people in the Bible. So that's what I take a lot of pride in at Haiti Bible Mission. Man, we've got 42 young men and women uh, who we've been able over these last 11 years to empower and equip and watch them get married, but watch them grow and watch them graduate and and get jobs and do what they want to do. And while our name's Haiti Bible Mission, we don't just cram the Bible down people's throats. Yeah, we plant churches, we teach the Bible, but we've got people that have graduated medical school, become teachers, some are trying to be a lawyer, one wants to be a mayor, whatever, mechanics, whatever these men and women want to be. Like Justin was saying, that purpose, we don't want to say, hey, we're just going to you know, provide jobs and come work at the mission, because a lot of people hurting would just jump at that because they want a job. But then they're just doing it out of necessity, not out of like excitement and passion. So, what do you wanna be? Oh, you wanna be a nurse? Well, how can we help you? How can I fundraise and pay for that? But while you're going through school, we pull this out. And we do discipleship. We do Bible study. We help them because we want these men and women to be who God's created and called them to be. For when they get married, they can be the best husband, best wife, best mom, best dad. And that ultimately impacts communities. Amen? When we have people on fire for God and operating in a healthy way, I believe that we're going to see communities and lives transformed. We do have four church plants, uh, two in the city of Jeremy? And uh, kind of t- one on each kind of end. Uh, we have two churches out in the country. And uh, actually, we're getting ready to launch two more. One with you guys which is exciting. I forgot at the first service because I was rushing because I was like, I got to get ready for the second service. And, um, but we are planning one a month after you guys come down to plant one. We are going, uh, it's a 27-mile hike up into the over 3,000 foot elevation where uh, several of our employees and leaders are from in Foucault Show. You've probably seen pictures on Facebook of that hike. We are planting a church up there, and uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Actually, I've been up there twice. It's so difficult to get to. Um, It's literally 16 hours of hiking, uh, eight hours each way. It's it's brutal. but we're excited that God's opened the doors for multiple church plants. And I'm actually taking my wife, three kids, we're all heading up there uh, to camp out up there and help this church plant. We got some people from all over the globe, Houston and people coming in to join in that effort. But churches, we believe, just like this church here, revival's going to take place through the church. All our outreach, all our sports outreach, our evangelism, everything we do, building projects, when uh, North American teams come down and serve with us, we do it all through the local church. We don't want it to be, oh, look at the white people, the Savior's coming down. No, we want it to be, hey, this is, Christ is at the center of this. Your education, your new roof, this bathroom we're doing in the community, that tea chill pavilion that you're doing, that we're building, whatever it is that we're doing, that sports outreach, we've got a pastor, a leader, somebody through our local church so that people understand that, man, we're here for you in the community, but church and, and, and God God uh, loves you so much. I've got a lot of gang members and gangs that uh, we, we've seen their communities change. Not all, a couple have put their faith in Christ and some haven't. They're doing things on Saturday night that the Bible would say you shouldn't do. You can guess what's going on on Saturday night. Sometimes they're wearing sunglasses in the morning so you, <laughs> you're a little hungover and all that. But I know what they were doing last night, but guess what? I'm so glad that they're in our church. And I pray that there's people in Plymouth that are doing things that they shouldn't be doing, but they feel loved and welcome, where they would come in and sit and know that you know they could be here and they'd be loved. I, I prayed that that would happen. And if it's not happening, I'm gonna pray that God convicts people and say, hey, we need to be a place that would allow those people to feel welcome and loved here. So the fact that these gangsters are, are doing that, that's, but it's not because of me, it's because of what God's doing, it's because of our leaders, Haitians helping Haitians, looking to their own people. And I wish I could talk more about it. Um, was there a picture that we had? Did you guys see a picture of my family or no? I didn't know. Oh, there's my beautiful family. I wish they were here today. Thank you. That's my wife, Lacey, then Baric. Uh, He just turned 12 a couple weeks ago. My daughter, Amory, next week uh, turns 10. And my daughter, Micaiah, uh, Glory there, she is three. And uh, she's just a joy of our life. So, Hey, just a few months back when you're... Let me, can I brag on Justin for a minute? You guys cool with, like, building him up? Or do I need a story to, like... Tear him down, like what? I got both. I got stories on both sides. So afterward, if you want to hear some of those, you know, or maybe it's whatever goes on in Haiti stays in Haiti. So maybe I should keep that private, so we don't want any judgment coming from you guys toward your pastor. But all, all seriousness, this January of 2019, we're a week away from celebrating 11 years in Haiti. So January of 2019, we celebrated 10 years. My wife and I and family we were so excited. Our Haitian team were like, man, we're going to kick off 10 years. We're going to party. We had all these great things planned. And uh, Satan had some things planned too because uh, I don't think Satan likes it when we rejoice and get excited about the goodness of God because we took off into the year 2019 and just Spiral, like emotionally, like uh, staff issues, uh, persecution from different things. And I'm not gonna go into it all, but it, it came to the summertime and uh, we were just really trying to battle and struggle with some of these things, uh, emotionally, spiritually, and what to do. And, and literally like Justin and Jennifer were there and I, and I just told Lacey, I said, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna ask them if they'd come up and we could just pick their brain and talk to them. You know, he, Justin has a, a year or two over me, you know? Uh, I think he's a year or two older, maybe. And I uh, said, let me ask for some wisdom because I always believe that, that if we seek wisdom, right, that, that God gives it. So I asked them if they'd come up and just spend a few moments with us. And me and Lacey just shared our heart. Man, here, man, we're, we thought we'd be celebrating 10 years, and this is like the worst year. And we, we listed all kind of these issues and problems. And, you know, it was a God thing. They'd gone through everything that we've gone through, everything to a T. And they sat there with just smiles on their faces saying, we've been down that road. And here's how God brought us through faithfully. Here's what we're going to pray over you. But they also challenged me. I mean, things that I'm sitting there as a pastor, I said, well, I should know that. I mean, I preach and teach on it. But they just kind of reminded me, I think when we're in the trenches, right, we can get lost, uh, get lost and lose sight of what we know we should be doing. Like Pastor Justin said about being calloused. And so they just really challenged me and Lacey on some things to do, but also to have faith in God. He's going to bring you out. You're going to look back and say it was the toughest, yet it was the best. And so whether or not you guys ever come again or support us, me and Lacey feel like we've gained some amazing friends that actually care and love us, that we dearly love, that that was the greatest investment. Right now, take away the generator. Take away all the building projects you guys have done. Two and a half hours in my living room with my wife and I, helping encourage us was the greatest gift this church or body could have ever given us. Our mission is only as healthy as my marriage. It's only as healthy as my walk with God and my, and, and my family. My family's falling apart, leadership at the top, and that's the same for this church, right, amen? If Justin and Jen are struggling, it doesn't matter, nothing else matters, right? And so like that gift to us was such a blessing. So I publicly wanna say, you guys have got a great leader over there. Uh, leaders, Jen, you too. Thank you. They're great. Do you guys want me to preach, or should we just close in prayer and beat all the Baptists to the restaurant and the Methodists? I mean, should we? I mean, Justin talks so long. I only got like 18 minutes. We got to be done, but all right, we'll go ahead. and Can I I preach a few minutes? Can I do that? I'll try not to preach as long as Justin, but... um, Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for who you are. God, I pray that the words would be your words, God, that my heart would be yours. God, that my motives would be yours. God, use your word today to strengthen us, encourage us to draw closer to you. It's your name we pray, amen. As I said before, I'm a, I'm a farm boy from Iowa. I grew up in Northern Iowa, I grew up on the farm. I'm also a preacher boy. Uh, I grew up in the church. So I grew up in a church that... Uh preached the Bible, but I would also say it was very legalistic, very legalistic. And to be honest with you, it, it wasn't good because I grew up focusing on the external. I grew up focused all about the teaching in the church. It was all about how we looked, how as a preacher's kid, how you had to dress, what we had to say, everything. So even when I graduated, I mean, I'm going off to college, and I, I, how how was my walk with God? It was very shallow because everything was about what you could see. It was about appearance. And, and as a boy and as a child growing up in that, I, I think that's very detrimental if we're not helping people in the full walk with God. And, and like God even said, the, uh, people look on the, the outside, but God looks at the heart. And I think that that's, a, that's been a problem going on in churches. I know it was a problem for me growing up. And you know, it took me a long time to actually work through that uh, because I just see that that's a problem today. And even like with fruit, you know, you, you, I think as Christians, we talk a lot about we want to bear fruit, right? The Bible said we need to bear fruit. And, oh, you got to bear fruit, you know? And oh, look at that tree. It's not bearing fruit. Look at that Christian. They're not bearing fruit. Well, so much focus, I think, gets on the fruit that we forget to look at the root, there's not enough tension on, on the below-the-surface activity because a fruit really only produces when the root is strong and healthy because that's where the nutrients and everything come from. And so I think our walks with God, my walk with God, I don't have time to go into the whole journey, but man, I struggled for a long time because I, for years, was taught external. Look at this orange. It looked good. I stole it from the hotel down the road. They, um, <laughs> serious, they had like a bowl of them out there and there was like nine of them and I took all of them. I don't know if you're supposed to, but... I, We paid for the room. I think these come with it. So there's a bunch in the rental car if somebody wants one. So, But I don't know if this is good or not because sometimes things on the outside look good. And sometimes I've bought oranges from the store actually and opened up and they're actually not good. They weren't juicy. They were dry and nasty. But the outside actually looked good. So I... You never really know, right, until you get to the inside. And so sometimes we look at things on the outside and we judge based on that. And there's so much emphasis, right, in our lives, in my life, where we focus on the fruit. We focus on the external. We we, we lose sight of, of the core, of the root. And I know that was a struggle for me. And it is my goal. I think it is our goal to produce fruit. Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I want to produce fruit. I want to be a Christian that produces fruit. And I think that's a biblical thing. But I think we focus too much on the fruit and we forget about the root. And so I want to talk today for a few minutes about life lived below the surface. The things that are unseen. Life lived below the surface. If you guys have your Bibles or if it's up on the screen, uh, I love this passage of of Jeremiah chapter 17. Verse 7 and 8. I'll give some background later, but seven and eight, here's what, here's what God says here. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We could probably close in prayer after that and, and walk away. When I graduated high school, I moved to Florida. Um, I spent several years trying to qualify for the PGA Tour. I'm a big golfer, I love that. Also growing up on the farm, I love uh, growing things. I I love growing grass, I love, uh, so I was going to school for turf grass management. Uh, I became a superintendent for a couple golf courses. I actually then got the the job of my life. I got a call to uh, build and work alongside Jack Nicklaus, the professional golfer, and build Old Corkscrew Golf Club. It was ranked, it ended up being ranked after we built it uh, top 100 best new courses in the US uh, in magazines and stuff. It It was incredible, it was a dream job for me. And that is actually the job and career that I left uh, which everyone thought I was crazy, including my mother-in-law, uh, that uh, yeah, literally I mean, when you have a great job like that, and you say you're walking away from a six-figure salary and, and the life that we had gated community boats, jet skis, new cars that money was not a problem for me uh, in that time. Uh, yeah, your mother-in-law, it, she's not happy about saying you're going to the mission field. <laughs> so you're taking my kids and my family, and, but um, I love that job, and it was a great job. But here's what's crazy. Our course was one of the most popular golf courses in the whole area. And let me tell you why. It was not because it was a Jack Nicklaus golf course. While obviously any of his signature courses are bring a lot of attention in, the reason why it was a spectacular golf course is this. We had a healthy root system, and it was second to none. I mean, we had the best root system best grass of anyone around. Do you guys know that in Florida, we get frost every year? It'll tinge and it looks like the grass is burned. on this. basically looks like Indiana right now. Okay, let's be honest. You know what I mean? Like, look around outside, right? Everything's brown and dead. Now, but we get frost a couple times a year down there. We also go through seasons of drought where we go weeks without rain. And you guys know the difference? I mean, like, it starts to look brown. And, man, I sat in meetings with the, with, the, with the investors and with the owners and all these millionaires that have put up all this money to build this course, and they're, they're meeting with me and my team saying, the grass is dying, the frost is killing. I said, no, it's not. It's just tinged on the surface. That's what frost does. It turns into purplish brown, and it, it, it seems like it's dead, but it's not. I said, because we have a healthy root system. I said, give it 48 hours. Give it 72 hours. It will bounce back. Guess what? It did. It bounced back. We got our color back after a few days. Why? Because what happens on the surface doesn't really affect what's going on down below because what's going on below is what ultimately will affect the surface. It might look tinged and damaged, which for a few days it is, but it bounces back because it's got a healthy root. But there's several things that go into... I'm sorry, I'm drinking a lot of water. It's so dry up in this place. We need some humidity, don't we? <laughs> I tried to bring some from Haiti, but it just wasn't happening. I landed in Indianapolis, and I was like, oh, my goodness, God. So we need to bring some humidity. Come on, God, like, get some in here, dry air. There's a lot of things that have to happen, though, for a root system to grow deep. Do you know that you have to actually starve the grass? You guys know that? You have to starve the grass. Like You can't feed and water it for days. And then it starts to brown. But you know what happens? The roots start looking for food. If you just keep feeding it every day, the grass is like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, right here. But you don't feed it, it starts going, where do I go? And you can start to see the roots start stretching and looking for food. Then you feed it. And it's like, okay, I can breathe. All right, I'm good. And you starve it again. And you just have to keep doing that. You starve the grass. It's almost like you're beating up. You're starving it so that it has to stretch. And look, you're growing to grow deep. You also have to airify it. Everybody know what airification is? Where you got the, Where it pulls the cores and you pull hundreds of cores out. That allows oxygen to go down and for it to breathe better. It reduces soil compaction because over time, soil gets really hard. Right, Just from all the grass intermingling and dirt and everything, it gets really hard. So by loosening that up, it it reduces that soil compaction, allows water, fertilizer, oxygen to get in, better soil uptake. This is like class. You guys taking notes? You guys want to graduate? There's a test afterwards, so make sure you're paying attention. Get that orange I promised everybody. I got plenty in the car. So you've got all these things that have to take place for the roots to, to grow deep. But you know what's funny? I, I feel like we live in a day where I said earlier where we focus on just the external, the surface. Am I right? Social media. Everything looks good on social media. All your guys' marriages look great, by the way, on social media. All your kids are amazing. You saw my family, perfect family right there. We focus on that, right? It's basically AstroTurf. Looks good on the surface. Ain't no root. There ain't nothing there. Looks green. It's what, what, what we look at. What, We look at the external. Look at what he's wearing. Look at what she's wearing. What house do you have? What car do you drive? That's what we tend to focus on in our lives. And we forget about what's at the core, what's what's below the surface, our life lived below the surface. I love going and trying to see okay, God, what do you say about roots? What do you say about how to have a life lived below the surface? A little background, the prophet Jeremiah is actually talking to the people and children of Israel, basically saying, hey, let me tell you something, I I brought you guys out of I brought you out of Egypt. He's basically recapping, saying, I brought you guys up, generation after generation. Here's what's happened. though: You guys have hoard after idols. You guys have created idols. And actually, then the parents die off. And then the kids rise up, and now they're actually sending and doing worse things than their parents. And he's basically saying, here's the judgment from God that's going to happen, right, because of all of this stuff that you're doing. But then I love when we come to this section here, but it's like, but here's like a promise or command, if you obey me and if you do these things, Right? And he says, Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. I love that because it's just filled with tons of promises. And a guy that grew up on the farm, a guy that loves agriculture, a guy that grew grass, I get it. It makes sense. I mean, we have to focus on what's below the surface. That's what God's saying here. What things do you think we should be starving ourselves from, maybe good or bad, to make us reach for the things that are most important maybe? What do you need airified? What, what do you need removed out of there that you can actually allow God's word to penetrate and get down in there and better uptake, Right? Reduce that soil compaction. Maybe your heart's hard. need to be airified, like Justin said. I felt like we could have closed in prayer after that. That passage in Hebrews loved that. We become so callous, so hard, that we forget about the goodness of God or the things that are the most important. So maybe you're saying, okay, great word, Pastor Mark, but give me something applicable. Can I just give you a few things we can apply? I got four things that I think would be a good start to build a healthy life and root system and live a life below the surface. Number one, obedience. Sounds simple, right? (laughs) Obedience. You know, in Luke 6, 46-49, you remember the story about the wise and foolish man? I know you've heard that story because we did as kids, and I'm sure Pastor Justin's preached it. The wise, God says that if you obey my words and do them, right? Obey and hear my words and obey and do them, you're like a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And whoever doesn't do them, who doesn't obey, disobedience is like someone building it on the sand. It starts with obedience. Everything is about the foundation. I don't care how beautiful this building is, it is beautiful. But what I'd be asking the architect or whatever is, what it, what's the foundation like? Because when a storm comes, that's what I'm concerned about is, will it stand? It starts with obedience. No matter how high you go, if you don't have a deep root, a deep core, a strong foundation. The second thing I believe to build a healthy life and root system is abide. And maybe abide, you're saying, what is that? Well, plant, connect yourself in Jesus. Like John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me and I abide in you. And if you do that, what's he say? The natural outcome is you bear much fruit. I love how so many passages at the end, it's like, if you do these things, you'll bear fruit. Like it's the natural outcome, right? It's like, you wanna invest money? Well, you have to invest money to get a return on your investment, right? You can't just be like, well, I wanna get some money. Well, you have to put money in the bank. Now, when you do that, what's the natural outcome? You get interest, right? You're gonna get some money back. You can't just say you want to grow or bear fruit if you're not gonna actually abide and plant and give so that you can get something back. We have to abide, we have to plant ourselves. I was even thinking, I didn't share this in the first service, but I was even thinking how kids today—it's like all these phones. Connect yourself to—they're always like, "I need a power source. I I, I got to plug in. I need power for my phone." That's that's what abide, plant, plug into the Lord. Like we're so quick to find something for our social media, for our phones to see where we get power. We forget where we get our strength from of being rooted, plugged in, planted in Christ. So that second one is abide. The third one is trust, because here in Jeremiah 17, blessed man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. You can't really see trust. It's like, well, I I, I trust you. You You can say, hey, I trust you with this, I trust you with that. But it is working below the surface. I'm doing things, and I'm believing and trust that those things are working for the roots. I'm believing. A lot of times, trust is an action. We are all trusting and believing right now that these chairs are going to hold us, right? I hope so, and that this roof isn't going to be there. The point is this, that trust is one of those things. God says, you have to trust in me. Trust is a big deal. Trust is a really big deal. Can't always see it, but it's super important. No one walks around bragging, hey, man, I'm trusting in the Lord today. But when you're doing that, it, it obviously shows in the rest of your life. Amen? Amen? Okay, I didn't know if you guys fell asleep yet. There could be more coffee in the back. I'm sure we could get some. Here's the last thing, fourth thing. Fourth thing is, I think, almost the most difficult probably, and that's Consistency. Consistency is more important than intensity. Building strong roots takes time. I didn't get to that golf course in day one as we're getting ready to build it. All right, go. Come on. Like, go fast. 48 hours. All right, good, we got roots. It took years of hard work. Hard work. Hard work. Consistency. Consistency. Is there someone that can play the keys for a little bit before we close here? When we talk about consistency too, I think you understand what I'm getting at. I believe, I believe that most people today in the church are literally so focused on the, the, the intensity, the quick fix, the, hey, pastor, I'm struggling. Give me a book. Hey, I need help. I wanna fix this. Hey, I, I need, we, we're looking for that quick fix. Would you guys agree with that? Hey, your marriage is struggling. Okay, well, we want you to start spending time in the Word of God. Well, I tried that. Well, how many times did you read God's Word? Well, I did it once, and, excuse me? Hey, have you guys prayed? Have you been to church? Well, I've done that. Well, how many times? I went to church twice, and it never worked. I prayed three times last month, and it never worked, right? But there's never, you can't be like, well, my grass isn't growing. I fertilized it once last year. Seriously? Seriously? I want to lose weight, so I worked out twice this year. You guys get where I'm getting this. That's why I say it's the hardest thing, right? That consistency. You're never going to get stronger and lose weight if you only work out once a year. Our walks with God and our root system will not grow deep, and our walks with God will not grow and strengthen if we're only spending time with God once a year, once a month, once a week. Amen. To have a healthy root system, to have a healthy walk with God, to have a life lived below the surface, it takes time and consistency, day after day after day. We keep watering, we keep us, we keep aerifying, we keep doing the things that we need no God tells us to do to build that strong root system. You guys, I know that there's a turf war for our lives. Satan's after our soul the world is, but I believe that that battle is won below the surface. I really do. It's not a surface thing. I believe spiritual health comes from the unseen below the surface activity. I think it's also where Jesus feeds us. He feeds us below the surface. Our prayer time, our devotions, our quiet time with the Lord. Some of my most precious times recently have been getting up early. I do that every day and spend time with the Lord. But to have my kids wake up and come out and want to pray with me or grab their Bible. My three-year-old has this little New Testament. She calls it my God's word. And the other day I said, can I look at my God's word? She goes, no, daddy, it's my God's word. (laughs) But that's where Jesus feeds us that's where my three kids are getting rooted and planted in Jesus is not out in front on the mission field and my kids are doing some amazing things in Haiti and I forgot to tell you guys about all they're doing and their own little ministries but man it starts Jesus is feeding my children in those quiet moments in the living room where you guys don't know you don't know and I don't know what's going on in behind your house and your doors and your quiet place But that's where Jesus is feeding you. That's where the battle starts. That's where it's taking place so that when we're out here on the surface where everyone can see, that's where our fruit's gonna shine and bear, whether they're gonna bear fruit or whether we're gonna crumble, whether the frost kills us or whether the drought dries us out. I love those moments with my kids. Satan's after us daily, isn't he? It's a fight every day. It's a fight every single day. God didn't say take up your cross once a year. He said you have to deny yourself, take up your cross daily. It's a fight, Satan never quits. That frost, that drought, that difficulty, that cancer, that loss of a loved one, that loss of a job, all those difficult things that that are on the surface, right? The only way we can walk through those and bear more fruit is if we're if we're strong at the core, if we're rooted and planted in Christ, if we have a root system. I think we need to focus on fighting the battle from below the surface. That's where we need to focus. Would you guys close your eyes for a minute with me here? Just close your eyes, and I want you guys to take a few moments, and I want you guys to imagine right now what life would look like if you started focusing on the root at the core, the unseen. Not the surface, not your haircut, not how you look, not your social media, not how great your yard is. What would your life look like if you focused on the root? What would your marriage look like if you were fighting these battles in the private quiet times in your house, what would that marriage start to look like if you started going after the core and the root and the heart, not the surface? What would your job look like? How could you bear fruit at your job if you were focused on being a healthy, rooted and grounded Christian bearing fruit? What would your family look like What kind of model would you be for those children to look up to mom and dad and say, man, that's a life worth imitating? What would this church look like? As you're praying, thinking through, imagine if next Sunday you've had this week to just be rooted and planted and help get those roots deep and you're abiding in Christ and behind-the-scenes activity, what no one else sees but you and God. Imagine what this church would start to look like if we had a bunch of rooted and planted Christians that were healthy Healthy so we could withstand the storms and trials that come our way. We walk into church and we walk out these doors and people say, well, you lost a loved one. Yeah, but I'm rooted and planted in Christ. Heard your mom has cancer. Yeah, but we're rooted and planted in Christ. We're still going to bear fruit. We're going to stay green. We might look tinged for a couple days, and That's normal. We're going to bounce back because our root system is planted in Christ. Imagine what this church will look like. Imagine what this community. Imagine think for a moment if we had a 700 healthy christians rooted and planted in christ bearing fruit even through the storms of life i think it would provoke people in this community to ask questions what's different about you what is it that you have you're so joyful even in storms trials droughts you seem to bear fruit you seem to have something that i don't have That's when you get to point people to Jesus and say it's because I'm rooted and planted in him. I spend time with him in the morning and that's what gives me the nutrients, the fertilizer for me to grow. Heavenly Father, God, you're a good God. God, I ask you right now to forgive us, God, for our complacency, God, for a hardness of hearts, And even as Justin shared, God, just the, we can lose sight of the awe and wonder of who you are. God, we ask you to forgive us for that, God. We want to be people that come into your presence excited all the time for your goodness. God, I can't imagine as a father, I love these people here, and I love Justin, God, and Jennifer, but I can't imagine sacrificing any one of my three kids for them. God, I don't love anybody in this world enough for that. God, yet you loved me And you loved everyone in this world so much you sent your son. That I stand in awe of you, God, because that's a love like none other. God, I pray right now, if there's somebody in this room, God, that doesn't know you, that's not planted and connected in you, that doesn't have a life below the surface or a walk with you, God, that they would surrender their heart to you today. God, I pray for those of us with a hard heart. I pray for those of us that are so, we're a Christian, we know the Lord, we have a relationship with you, God, but we've been so focused on the external, the outside, what people can see, so that Justin looks and says, oh, look at that person. So our neighbors go, oh, wow, look at that. God, I ask that you would remove those, those fears. God, remove the pride. God, remove the things that are hindering us from growing roots down into you, of being planted and abiding in you. God, may we be consistent in our walk with you. May we trust you, as in Jeremiah, and believe that you are gonna do what you say, God. God, I pray a blessing over this church, these people. God, do something great. God, may we have the faith and trust in you that you will do this, you will live it out, and you will use us. Bless these people, bless this community. God, we, may we walk out of this place and never be the same because you showed up, we've encountered you. May we be like Moses, our faces are shining because we've encountered your presence here today. It's your precious name we pray.
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.